Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 781 with Jody Michael. Jody shares some really transformational perspective and tools to work on your thoughts and develop your mental fitness and overcome stress and have less yuck in your brain and emotional states. So you'll learn one, how you're unknowingly stressing yourself out. Two, how to keep stress at bay with ABC and SEE. And three, how to go from trigger to calm in just 30 seconds. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we've mentioned, please pay us a visit over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP781. And if you're new, I'm seeing in the downloads a bunch of new folks. So welcome. It's so good to have you. I recommend getting acquainted to the podcast by sorting in your podcast app the episodes from oldest to newest. And then you'll see an episode 000 start here and episodes A, B, C, D, E, F to give you a flavor, a taste for the different kinds of topics that we cover here. So a nice little orientation there at the very beginning. If you sort in your podcast app from oldest to newest with the 000 and A, B, C, D, E, F. So good to have you. Please explore plenty. Now, here's a bit about Jody. Jody Michael is CEO of Jody Michael Associates and is recognized as one of the top 4% of coaches worldwide and is an internationally credentialed master certified coach, board certified coach, University of Chicago trained psychotherapist, and licensed clinical social worker. Among her clients are more than 120 senior executives across 18 Fortune 100 companies. She's been featured in the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Forbes, Oprah, and many more and is an expert guest on MSNBC, CNN, The Today Show, and NPR. Big thanks to Jody for sharing her wisdom with us, and big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no. No, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, here's Jody. Jody, welcome to How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Thank you. It's great to be here, Pete. Well, I'm excited to chat with you about your book, Leading Lightly, Lower Your Stress, Think with Clarity, and Lead with Ease. But first, I was so curious. Is it in fact true that you have done, over your lifetime, 40,000 coaching sessions? No, that's not accurate. Oh, okay. It's over 40,000. I stopped counting a bit back. Yeah, over. Yes, okay. <laughs> yeah. I've been doing this a long time, Pete. Woo. Wow. Well, so I've got to know, what are some insights about the the human condition that just come from from that? Like, Are there some patterns you've picked up on that you think you've been able to notice having had this unique experience that most of us may be unaware of? Yeah. So 
I think that when I'm talking to people, because it's a very select audience, there's generally three challenges that come up over and over again. And the first category is probably leveling up their leadership to be more effective. People come with that concern all the time, being a better leader, a better operator, a better communicator, embodying a more powerful executive presence. And then the second area are concerns around emotional intelligence, Uh, the need to just be able to read the room, learn how to manage their emotions, effectively deal with people issues, all those internal politics that go on, the different personalities, the bosses. And then since COVID, what's coming up more and more is just managing the burnout, the stress, the Sunday night anxiety, both within themselves and really, how do I help my team? That's what comes up. And what is surprising to me is the person in the room, it doesn't matter if they're a CEO, it doesn't matter if they're a beginning manager, honestly, they bring a lot of the same base concerns. You would think that that would not be true, but it is true. So you get the stress and anxiety and imposter syndrome from C-suite executives as well as a manager. That surprised me early on. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Okay, that, that is surprising and, and good to, to note. And you've got the, the credibility and clout there, having <laughs> done so many reps here. Yes. So, so thank you. And, and I guess that's, that's in a way encouraging in terms of, hey, even superstars that have super senior positions are experiencing some of the same things I'm having. And thusly, it doesn't mean I'm weird or freakish or broken in any way. This is just part of the human condition. It is the human condition. That's exactly right. Okay. Well, well thank you for that. Well, now let's hear, hear about the book, Leading Lightly. What's the big idea or, or main thesis or message here? Well, it doesn't have to be this hard. That's the big message. Okay. When you look at how people are coping today, One out of five Americans are on psychotropic drugs. One out of 20 can't go to sleep at night without a prescription sleeping pill. And a study that I read, it was just a couple months ago, from the World Health Organization shows that the prevalence of anxiety and depression has gone up 25% worldwide, 25% worldwide since COVID. So I think it's fair to say, you know, we're not faring well. We're not mentally fit or not very mentally fit. And I think this is hard for people to imagine, but I want to take you there right now. I just want you to imagine that you can go through your day and nothing really upsets you. Nothing triggers you. Oh, Nothing stresses you. <laughs> imagine this. Yes, Pete, it's possible. And it's not because you're having some super rare problem-free day. It's that you're having the same challenges that were there the day before. What's changed is you. You're different. You're not reactive. You're not defensive. You're not emotionally triggered. You're Teflon. Nothing sticks. That's leading lightly. And so my book is a wake-up call, your wake-up call to help you see how you're unwittingly sabotaging yourself, your energy, your performance, how you're making, you know, your days harder and more painful and more exhausting than they need to be. Okay. Well, that is as compelling and exciting as an opportunity and, and a possibility that this really could be so in our lives. So then maybe could you share a story so that we can see this 
in action in terms in of a professional life. who was stressed, exhausted, burned out, overwhelmed, and then what they did to turn things around and to lead lightly and be stress-free and untriggered. I'd love to. I am going to choose a woman that worked at a Fortune 500 company. We'll call her Susan. Mid to late 30s, ambitious. She's great at executing, great at delivering projects, perceived as a high potential in the organization. Here's the problem. She only cared about results. She was intimidating, a driver, just led from stress. She was demanding, dismissive, defensive, and honestly, no one liked working with her or for her. (laughs) Anywhere around this woman Mm -hmm. was a problem. So she was on a six-month performance improvement plan. That's when we started working together. And so we didn't have a lot of time to make some pretty big changes in her leadership and how she was experiencing her days. But she worked hard. She took it seriously. She used our Mind Mastery for Mental Fitness app. And in a few weeks, people started to see her change. She was lighter, visibly softer. Her meetings became interactive, inspiring instead of how she had been, merely directive, which was her style. And people were surprised that she was showing up caring, empathic. She had slowed down. That's what others saw on the outside. But here's the message I want to deliver. Here's what actually happened on the inside. She shifted her perspective. So she no longer thought she knew everything. She no longer thought others had a negative intent. She no longer thought she always had to watch her back. So she became more calm, more self-aware, more mindful. And over the next six months, she radically changed how she held her emotions, how she handled her emotions. So even if she was upset on the inside, she didn't show it. She didn't let that impact how she interacted with others. And she became far less stressed. She wasn't staying up as late at night. She wasn't moving as fast. She wasn't talking as fast. She was just more effective. And by the end of our engagement, she wasn't reactive. She was no longer attacking. She wasn't defensive. And if she got triggered, she was able to shift out of this triggered state within 60 to 90 seconds without others even being aware of it. Now, let me finish the story here by telling you, as you can imagine, everyone was worried that she would revert as soon as the coaching engagement was over. I'm right there holding her hand, And that's what people's biggest concerns were, her coworkers, but it never happened. Two years later, she broke that glass ceiling at her company, made it to the C-suite, and it was just a far cry from the performance improvement plan that she had on when we first met. So that's an example of somebody feeling better internally and all of the people around them getting to experience it as well. That's cool, Jody. Well, that sounds like almost a business fable type book. You know, we've got the drama. Oh, it's the end of the line, a performance <laughs> improvement plan. You might be on the way out and then uh, turn around and, and happy ending. That's, that's beautiful. Cool. So you mentioned she worked hard. Let's zoom in. What does that work look like? If we want to be resilient, mentally fit, stress-free, leading lightly, what are the actions we take to get there? Yeah. 
Well, let me walk you through it. And I think that it's easiest if I give you an example that everyone can relate to. Okay. So here's, here's what that would look like. And there's probably not a listener that would not relate to this. You get an email. And you know, it's, it's that email, the one that triggers you. And it makes you so angry that you immediately, you sit down, you're furiously typing your response and you hit send, not just send, you hit reply all, right? And it feels so good. You feel good. You're sitting there in the moment, feeling good. And then two minutes later, you panic. You probably let out a few expletives, right? And in that moment, you're wishing you could take back that email. When you're triggered, When you're not thinking clearly, you don't make good decisions. You become reactive, defensive, whatever. So my process helps you learn how to manage those moods and those thoughts and those situations. And I have a step-by-step process I called Mind Mastery, and it's going to build your mental fitness by disrupting your habitual patterns. And then over time, It will actually rewire your brain. And so for people to remember this process, I created a mnemonic. The first part is ABC. The second part is C, S-E-E. So A stands for assess. The first thing you want to do if you're starting to rebuild your brain is to assess the moods and the thoughts that you have when you get triggered. And this is super critical. You have to start hearing what you say to yourself. And before I even move on to letter B, I want to make sure that you get one really important concept. The words of the email did not cause you to become furious. Wasn't the words. Mm -hmm. What caused you to become furious were the thoughts you had when you read the email. So in that example, maybe someone's sitting there saying, he's lying. I didn't say that. And that created the thought or the mood, I should say, of furious. Another person who receives that exact same email directed at them may have the thought, what? Was I unclear? Did he misunderstand what I said to him the other day? And they would have created a very different mood, a mood of confusion with the exact same words on that email. That's a critical distinction that for many people, it really takes a while to embody. So that's the first thing you're doing is just assessing, what did I just say to myself that created this upset? B stands for breathe. Breathing deeply, as soon as you start to assess, what did I just say to myself? Deep diaphragmic breathing, holding it for six seconds, releasing, and then repeating it as you need it until you calm yourself. You're doing that, and C is your choosing. You're choosing to be accountable for your moods, for your thoughts, for your behavior, for whatever results happen as a result. And you look in the mirror. You ask yourself, how did I contribute to this situation? You're not blaming. You're not focusing on the other party. And once you get stabilized with this ABC, the second part of the mnemonic, S-E-E, This is going to boost your resilience and your emotional intelligence because it's really getting to the heart of who you are and who you can be. So the first letter is S and it stands for spot. You want to spot your current lens, your current perspective that's driven by your underlying core beliefs. That's what's causing your distress. E stands for explore. You want to explore other lenses. 
other perspectives, by being curious, by being empathic, flexible, open. And the final E stands for elect. You want to elect a lens, choose a perspective that is going to allow you to perform at your best in this given situation. And if you engage in this process, and my God, I've been doing this for over 20 years, refining it, refining it. We've got it under 10 minutes a day. If you're doing it correctly, if you're doing it eight or more times a day over a long enough period of time, you're going to feel the difference. You're going to start to respond differently and others are going to notice it as well. Okay. So then that eight times a day, that is in response to a stressor. That is in response to that app coming at you intermittently, randomly, when you're not ready, and you're just responding to that app and responding to ABC, assessing where am I? What's the mood I'm in right now? What are the thoughts I'm having right now, etc. And it's going to build your emotional intelligence. It's going to help you calm down, etc. Now, can you proactively go in when you get triggered? Absolutely. That's going to help this process go faster. Your brain is going to learn it exponentially quicker and you're going to get results. Okay. Now, so and it refreshes the name of the app is what and how do we get it? It is Mind Mastery for Mental Fitness. Mind Mastery for Mental Fitness. And it's on Google Apps. It's on Apple. And we were one of the first transformational, if not the first transformational app out there. It's been out there for 10 years. So I've been doing research on this. I've been using this process for over 20 years, and it is a vast majority, a good proportion of those 40,000 one-on-one sessions I've done. Okay. And so then with 10 years and research and experience, is there some quantified lift on a construct that psychologists would point to? Like, hey, when you do this, we can expect X percent improvement in Y. I don't have the X percent improvement on why. There's a lot of reasons that will bore your listeners for me to go through. But what we can look at and measure, the second piece of the app is going to measure how quickly you can get yourself out of a triggered state. Okay. And if you can sustain it. And that's what we're looking for. That's what I really care about. It's like, look, when you get triggered, can you pause and can we get your amygdala, your fight or flight response down. So you're not going to make a leadership mistake. You're not going to say something you don't want to say or take an action or make a decision that's not good in that moment. Oh, that's cool. And so what, what are some of the before after times associated with that? Honestly, when you get good at doing, look, when you first start, it's hard. People will come back and say, look, I was in this mood for three days. And you do that, that same person three months later, it's like they're in that mood for 10 minutes. You move that out six months later, they're in that mood for 40 seconds. And at some point your brain, because here's what's really going on in your brain. You're just following habitual neural pathways. So when you're reactive, Your brain just wants to take the shortcut. It's just doing it. You're not even thinking about it. But when you stop your brain from reacting and you say, no, no, I don't want to go down that path, that well-worn path. I'm going to create a new path. Over time, that new path that you 
repeat is going to be well-grooved path. And at some point, your brain is going to shift over and go down the new pathway. And that's how change deep, systemic change happens. And that's what's exciting because mental fitness, unlike physical fitness, if you do it long enough, it just stays with you. It's just your new 2.0 version of you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so let's maybe walk through an example. Let's say the app zings me or buzzes me. Yeah. And I am, I mean, I'm feeling stressed because my two precious children, three and four years old, are being squabbly. They're like, just not playing well together, just sort of saying, give me this, give me this. Well, I know this is mine. Crying and being loud. And and I find that stressful. I was just like, ah, oh, just knock it off. <laughs> and so one of my life goals is to never scream shut up at my children. And thus far, I'm four and a half years in, I am batting a thousand. Are you failing at this? <laughs> no, I've managed to not externally <laughs> yeah. articulate that. But internally, I'm just like, ah, knock it off. And it, it, it really does. It feels visceral in terms of like, these are loud noises and unpleasant emotions being broadcast toward me. And it's like I have I have some responsibility here as <laughs> they're my children. And this is like, I should probably do something. What I should do is not completely clear, but I, I've got some ideas. But mostly, I guess you could say I'm stressed, I'm triggered, I don't care for this. And so here we are. Let's walk through it. Let me help you. Let's do it. Yes. First of all, you said something very important that I want to, if I was working with you, I would make this correction. You said you were stressed because your kids were (laughs) acting out or whatever you were saying. Okay. You're not stressed because your kids are acting out. You're stressed because of what you're saying to yourself while your kids are acting out. Because I'm sure, Pete, there are times when the kids are acting out and you're just thinking, oh, they're adorable. You know, you're maybe more rested. Maybe, you know, there's something happening in your space that the kids aren't annoying you in that moment in the same way they did the day before. Is that true? Yeah, that happens. Yep. Okay. So that's the critical point that I would coach you on. It's like, what are you saying in that moment? when the kids are acting up, that's what's creating the stress. But an even faster way to get out, right? Because you don't want to deal with this. You just don't want to feel that way is a trigger hack. And it's something really simple. And it is underused, this skill. And it's breathing. Remember when I talked about just a moment ago, that deep diaphragmic breathing, most people don't do this right. But this is the fastest way to get out of a triggered state is to, I'll show you how to do it right now. Let's just do it together. Put your hands on your lower abdomen below your belly button. Take in as much breath as you can. Breathe in. Make sure your belly goes out. This is where people don't do it, right? Hold it. One, 1,000, two, 1,000, all the way to the count of six, 1,000, and then release. Okay. So while your kids are acting out, you're going to do that. And you're going to do that repeatedly. Probably will only take you three or four times to do that. And guess what? It's six seconds. You have 20 seconds or 30 seconds. You will feel amazingly different physiologically when you do that. That is the fastest way to calm yourself down. Okay. Well, and I want to dig into that a little bit. So there's the hold for six seconds. Does the pace at which I inhale matter? It can be fast or slow. 
doesn't matter. As long as your belly is really, really, you can't put any more oxygen in. That's super important. Okay. It's funny that that actually feels a little stressful when Dubai is like, I oh. my burst. This is so much air all up in That's me. That's funny. Is that okay? Or do I want it's a little okay. bit less air than that? It's okay. No, it's actually great. You know what's actually happening when you do that? Let me explain what's happening and why that's so effective. When you get, let's call it stressed by your kids with air quotes around that, your whole body tenses up and you go into what is called a catabolic state. You go into some negative state where you're dumping chemicals, not good chemicals into your body. And what happens is your amygdala gets triggered. You go into fight or flight, even in a small situation like that. And you're not optimally thinking straight because that's overtaking your brain. And while that's happening, your focus gets narrow and all you can hear is your kids. So you start to focus just on your kids. Everything else goes away. When you breathe like that, it disengages the amygdala. Now, it might not do that in the first six seconds, but in maybe in the second six seconds. And what happens then is it reengages the front part of your brain called your prefrontal cortex. And why that's important is that's your executive functioning part of your brain. And so you are immediately stopping the cursing of the negative hormones in your body. Your body is basically going, oh, there is no stress. There is no stress because physiologically, you couldn't do that. You could not breathe deeply like that if there was a tiger in the room that was about to kill you. So it confuses your brain and says, oh, there is nothing stressful here. Relax. There isn't something stressful. And that's why so quickly your body can come into right homeostasis and much quicker than thinking through it. Okay. Well, and, and then, and likewise, the exhale, is, is that any pace is fine? Any pace is fine. Okay. And the six seconds, would seven be even better? Six seconds is based on research. So this is the quickest you can get out of a triggered state physiologically is when you breathe that way under stress and you hold it. That's what the research shows. So I think that's where that comes from, the six seconds. All right. It's not going to hurt you to hold it seven. It's just hard oh, to sure. hold for seven. <laughs> and, and I guess it will it'll elongate by a whole four seconds if I'm doing this four times. Yes. I can't spare that time. Okay. So there's the breathe. And then the choosing. Yes. And then you're choosing to be accountable. Your kids didn't do this to you, Pete. Mm-hmm. You created the stress. The kids are just playing. They're just acting out. They're just being kids. All right. So then you have to then at that juncture, when you choose accountability, you have the opportunity then to be in control of your emotional state rather than looking at the kids are the issue. Now you can still go over and say, hey, guys, calm down. Let's stop. Time out. But it'll be in a different emotional state than it would be if you didn't do this, of course. But really what it is, is that self-awareness. Well, see here, this is a good, probably a quote, is that you don't get stressed, you create stress. You don't get overwhelmed, you create overwhelm. And most of us are blind to this. That's why it's so hard for us to process this. It's just nonsensical because we don't understand how we're doing it. But once you understand how you're doing it, you get in control. You get in control of lowering your stress levels 
to amazing levels. And you think it's not even possible, especially someone who's very reactive. They're thinking, I can't do this. But when you are retraining your brain, you can do this. And it makes you really feel in control. And that's intriguing when you talk about overwhelmed. I'm thinking that overwhelmed on an emotional level, you know, I could say feels a certain way, like physiologically. So there's that. And then there's also overwhelmed in, in terms of just like a, a sheer resource issue. Like this thing is important to me and the time available to complete it is short and my resources are scanty and thusly I feel well, I don't know if you probably quite challenged my thusly. And well, <laughs> well, and I feel stressed, worried, overwhelmed about this this situation here. So, so I guess you're you're drawing the distinction that being resource constrained and working on something important that is potentially at risk of not being completed on time or at sufficient quality is distinct from an emotional sense of overwhelm. It is distinct from, but I want to tell you that you could have the same volume of work. You could have the same limited resources. You could have a boss that is very difficult and you can come to me. And I've had this situation happen. I can think of this vividly. I had a woman come to my office and say, basically beg me to give her permission to quit her job. Okay. Mm. Like I was mom or something. And I said to her, no, you have to take my full day mind mastery workshop first, and then let's work it. And then I will address this question in two months, three months, and we'll see if you feel that way. Now, of course, she could leave her job, of course. Right. But she asked me and I said, I don't think you'll actually want to leave your job. And I will tell you that within a couple of months, she said, I said, okay, you're go- you know, you're going to go back to school in six months. You have enough resources. You know, if you want to quit your job, you can certainly quit your job. And she said, why would I quit my job? Mm-hmm. It doesn't stress me anymore. That's the difference because what's creating the overwhelm isn't the amount of work you're getting. It's what you're saying to yourself. Look, every single day, you have somewhere between 6,000 and 50,000 thoughts a day. And the National Science Foundation tells you, does research and says, you know, those those 6,000, 50,000 thoughts that you you have every day, 80% of them are negative. 80% of the thoughts that you're thinking are negative, right? Meaning you're spending most of your day stressed, overwhelmed, frustrated, anxious, burnt out. And I think most people can relate to that, especially over the last couple of years. But what is actually creating the overwhelm is you sitting there saying, oh my God, don't give me one more thing. Are you kidding? You know, you're getting another piece. I have another deadline. I can't make this. I don't have time. God, I don't have time. I don't have time. That research also showed that 80% of the thoughts you're going to think today are the exact same thoughts that you thought yesterday and the day before and the day before. So we are running this script that we don't even hear in our subconscious. And if you walk around all day and say, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired, you're not hearing yourself say that. I'm overwhelmed. There's too much to do, et cetera. You start to have a mantra and that creates 
overwhelm or stress. Otherwise, if that wasn't true, Pete, everyone at a certain workload would get to the place where they're overwhelmed. Everyone. And that's not true. Some people have a far higher capacity than someone else. And some people just feel like they're Teflon. They just don't get overwhelmed. They just power through, or they're really having very different conversations about the work that they're doing. Okay. That's cool and exciting and and compelling and intriguing. Six to 50,000 <laughs> thoughts, quite a range. Some people think in eight times as many thoughts as... <laughs> Yeah, there's so much controversy around that. There's different different research out there. So I don't know what the true number is, but it ranges from all that. Okay. So it's not so much that some people are thinking eight times as many thoughts as others, although maybe they are. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. And, and versus how are we counting uh, a thought? Okay. So, and then I'm thinking about 1,440... <laughs> minutes in a day, maybe a thousand conscious minutes in a day, not asleep. I buy it. Six to 50 thoughts per minute. Yeah. That sounds about right. Okay. So we got the ABCs and how about the SEE now? The SEE is spot your current lens. What's the perspective that's driving this core belief? And the belief is your kids. The core belief that you're having there is annoyance. Your kids are making you crazy. Your kids are stressing you out. So you're looking at that lens and saying, okay, is that perspective helpful for me to get in control, to be my best self in that moment? Let's just call it to be the best parent I can be. Is that the best perspective I could have in that moment? Chances are it's not. And then the second E, explore, is how else can I look at this? Well, you might look at this empathically from your kids' point of view. They've been cooped up all day and they're just trying to expend energy. So you look at the kids and, oh, they're just kids. Kids will be kids. Let's just say. You're looking for a lens where you can be empathic, where you could be curious, where you could be more flexible to the situation rather than the narrow lens of these kids are making me crazy right now. I'm stressed. And then the final E stands for elect. Now choose the right lens for you, whatever that is in that moment. What perspective is going to allow you to perform at your best as a parent in this given situation? And what might that be for you, Pete, in that moment? How else can you look at that? I suppose what I would say to myself would be kind of an exploratory question, problem solving thing like, what needs are not being met for these children such that they are in such a mood? Are they tired? Are they hungry? And how can I help meet that need? Yeah, that's great. Halt, right? Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Okay, thank you. That's a great parenting skill. Halt, yes. Well, so then thank you for that. That's cool. Let's do another rapid fire example of someone there at work. They've got some things on their to-do list and they've been procrastinating. There's a couple items that, oh, I got to watch what I say around you now, Jody. I <laughs> say it, it makes them stressed. It's like, there are a few items on the to-do list. When they look at them, they go, ugh, that does not feel pleasant. I don't want to do that. And they feel a sensation of mm, reduced motivation, energy, 
sudden burning desire to check the news or social media or email <laughs> yes, it, it, yes. instead of facing down that thing. Could you walk us through a, in rapid fire that ABC, SEE, and, and how things might go down here? Yeah, I could. Let me do you one better, though. Okay. Let me shock people. Shock it. Shock us. By saying procrastination is a conversation. And so what I mean by that is we tend to think about the lack of action as the foundation of the problem. But what's really driving the habit of procrastination is, again, the conversation that you're having with yourself right before the action of procrastination. You are saying something like, oh, I'll do this later, or oh, I don't have time right now, or I'm too tired, or I don't feel like it. And if you listen to yourself, I guarantee you, if you listen, you're going to hear that you're having the same conversation with yourself over and over and over again. If you catch that conversation right in that moment and change the conversation, that's what's going to actually conquer the habit of procrastination. So that's why I wanted to go just one deeper. That's good. Thank you. Yeah. So what would you do? A, for assess, you would say, okay, what am I feeling like right now? I'm feeling like I don't want to do this. I don't feel like it. That's kind of like, so avoidance, maybe that would be the mood state. And what's my thought? My thought would be, I don't want to do this or not now, something to that effect. And then while you're doing that, you're breathing because you are triggered in that avoidance. You're checked mm-hmm. out and you say, okay, I'm going to be accountable not just for my moods, but for my thoughts and behaviors. So right there, you're choosing, I can get bigger than this moment of procrastination. So now you're going to look, you're going to S, spot your current lens or perspective. And what what's driving this? What's driving this belief is probably you don't want to do the thing that's in front of you. Mm -hmm. So there's some belief about it's hard or I have anxiety about it. That's why people generally avoid. I might screw it up. Yeah, might screw it up. There's something like that. And then you explore another uh, lens, the E for explore. And then you ask yourself, is that really true? Is it really true I'm going to screw this up? No, I have no historical evidence that I'm going to screw this up. Okay, then final E, elect. How else can you look at this? Every time I work with numbers, let's say, I get anxious. That's what this is about. So let's shift that lens and create maybe a competition. Let's see how fast I can get this done. That would shift your whole, let's make this a game. Let's see how fast I can get this done. Let's tackle this because as soon as I get this done, I can go and do something more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. That is good. Another one that comes to mind is, oh, well, if I, if I don't want to do it, then by conquering this thing, I will feel all the more victorious and unstoppable in my pursuits. Yeah, that is a favorite habit of mine, to be honest mm. with you. At the beginning of my day, I do the thing I want to do least first. (laughs) Because if you don't want to do something, you avoid it, you dread it. And it's going to be an energy drain that's just going to hover over you subconsciously all day long. It's like this invisible weight that I'm carrying. On the other hand, if I get it done first, 
I'm immediately rewarded with a burst of energy, which is a great way to start the day. So that's, that is a habit that I started many years ago and I love. That's good. I think Brian Tracy's got a book, Eat That Frog, about this very notion. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Beautiful. Well, well, Jody, tell me anything else you want to make sure to mention before we hear about a few of your favorite things. Yeah. You can't change what you don't see. And you think you see more than you do. 95, there's a research study out by Tasha Urich presented in her book. Oh, we are on the show. Yeah. But presented in her book with insight. And 95% of people think they're self-aware. Right. Only 10 to 15% are. And my experience as an executive coach is that is absolutely dead on. Even people that have high emotional intelligence are not as self-aware as they think they are. And it's fascinating to see that. That surprised me. Beautiful. Well, well, thank you. Now, could you share a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? Oh, yeah. I love this quote. Life isn't about finding yourself. Life is about creating yourself. George Bernard Shaw And I love it because it's empowering, it's hopeful, it's proactive. It's the opposite of victim mentality. And it's poignant. You know, it has rich applicability to my life and to the work that I do with others. So I love that quote. All right. And a favorite book? Self-Deception and Leadership. Oh, yeah. By the Arbinger Institute. You're familiar with it, yes? That's a good one. I I listened to the audio book, and so I always hear it. You're in the box. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Get out of the box. And a favorite tool? Oh, I love Muse, M-U-S-E. I think it's the best meditation tool out there to learn to meditate. Are we talking about the brain-sensing headband? Yeah, love it. I've got two of them. Oh, yeah, that's great. (laughs) It is fun. It's fun. I really think it helps people learn to meditate exponentially faster. I really believe that. Well, yeah, the the audio feedback is great. I prefer the campfire sound myself. And... (laughs) I also like the numbery aspect because, you know, meditation is kind of like a non-competitive thing. <laughs> and nonetheless, I like to know, am I getting better here? And yes. I can see the birds and how I've got more. And there's a great article, we'll link to it in the show notes, about <laughs> someone hosted a, a March mindfulness meditation competition. <laughs> oh my God, that's hysterical. <laughs> okay. And if folks want to learn more, get in touch. Where would you point them? My website, jodymichael.com. That's Jody with a Y, not an I, and Michael, just like the first name, no S at the end. All right. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs? Watch your words. Create awareness around the words you use. Words are powerful. Your words are creating your moods, your feelings. Those moods and feelings are driving your behavior, and your behavior creates the results that you end up getting or you don't get. That's the power of words. And again, I'm not just talking about the words you use when you're speaking to others. I'm particularly talking about the words that you say to yourself, your thoughts. If you can uncover your thoughts, hear your thoughts, understand your thoughts, if you can Uncover your thoughts, hear your thoughts, understand how your thoughts are self-sabotaging, and then choose to reframe those impending thoughts with more helpful thoughts. It will change the trajectory of your leadership and your life, just as it has done for many of my clients. All right, Jody, thank you. This has been a delight. I wish you and, and your book, Leading Lightly, all the luck. Thank you, Pete. 
Boy, Jody really, really said some things that stuck with me in terms of monitoring what you're thinking and the impacts of that. And I've caught myself sometimes. My brain will just go on a loop. It's like, oh, I'm tired. Oh, I don't know if I can handle this. Oh, I just want to go to bed. And sure enough, that reinforces the tiredness. And yet, if I can refocus on maybe just exactly what's in front of me instead of looping those thoughts in my head, do a little A, B, C, S, E, E, then sure enough, it's handy. And I'm able to, to power through, get her done, feel better about it, and get into a real cool, virtuous cycle as opposed to a downward spiral. So much great stuff. I hope that you also have the experience of getting some cool transformation going along those lines. Again, the show notes, the transcript, the links to items that we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP781. Hope to catch you next time and peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.